Okay. Time check. Okay, so hi everyone. Um, so just want to share with you today um, what's on my heart and what I've been doing over the summer, which is basically we've been doing a lot of work in the garden. Okay, and uh, what I've learned over, over the summer is that when I've been in the garden, that basically it's hard work. <laughs> and it's got me thinking about lots of things to do with the soil and the garden. And uh, as, I've been, as I've been looking at, because I want to try and cultivate fruitful soil and good soil um, in the garden. And uh, as I've been digging up uh, stuff in the garden over, over the summer, um, I've realized how much rock and soil is like in the ground as you, as you dig deep. Like I've, got, I've got like 12 or 10 bags of like rubble and soil. And you think, how have I managed to accumulate so much rock and soil from like in my garden? And uh, as you dig down, you find some real nasties. And then, so there's, there's hard soil. And then I've also been really surprised. I've had a couple of big trees cut down. And as the big trees have been removed, uh, these really nasty weeds have come up. I mean, and we're talking like, I mean, huge weeds. You think, where, how did they grow so fast? They're massive weeds. And you're like, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a challenge here. And, and I feel like sometimes in my garden, that I'm like taking one step forward and two steps back to kind of get a look at it. I think, oh, I'm getting there, but it's a slow process. And um, I'm excited by the challenge, but I realize it takes time. And it's got me thinking about the... Um, what, what Jesus says about our, 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 the state of our hearts and the, the ground of our, and the soil of our hearts. So um, it's no great surprise then that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share um, from the parable of the sower, which and I, 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 the parable of the sower is actually found in three of the Gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, Matthew and Mark are quite similar, but I'm actually going to just share from Matthew. I'm not going to share from, from Mark and Luke today. So if you turn to, if you've got your Bibles, if you turn to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 13, um, verse 1. So Jesus, uh, it, it starts by saying, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds uh, gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly uh, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. For he who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so there's the parable. And then we get this kind of interlude in Matthew where before Jesus goes on to explain what the parable means, there's this kind of like... Um, this kind of interlude where the disciples go to him and say to him, well, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Jesus says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. For whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. So there's, there's already an inference here 
before we even get onto the explanation of the parable, Jesus is saying, what I'm saying to you is that he who has will be given more, and he, and he who does not will have will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. For those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. For you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become loosed. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So before we go on to look at the, the explanation that Jesus gives for the parable, this is an important point. The interlude is important because what Jesus is saying is that what I'm about to tell you is revelatory. It is new covenant stuff. This is not for the old. You see, many righteous people long to see what Jesus was saying. But this was was the good news of the gospel. Jesus is saying, I am revealing something new to you that even the righteous people long to see. But they didn't receive it. Why? Because this is the new covenant. I am fulfilling what I'm about to tell you. Understand this. This is revelatory. This is new. Be open because the time has come to receive the good news. I am the good news. Um, So it's revelatory. But blessed are are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So then, Jesus then in verse 18 goes on to describe what the parable means. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. For this is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man and woman who hears the word and understands it. They produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So, what can we we deduce from, from the parable? Well, the sower is Jesus, and the seed is the word of God, the gospel, the good news. The good news that Jesus has come to save. It is the gospel. It is the the revelatory new covenant theology of the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God that has come to set the captive free. Okay? The soil, and this is important that we understand this, the soil is our heart's response. The soil is our heart's response. And And Jesus gives us four different scenarios of how we can respond, which we'll come on to talk about. And the bird, in the first scenario, that snatches a seed is is obviously Satan, the devil. So, just to put in context, you know, know, the word of God is powerful. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, "My, My word shall not return to me void. 
So whatever, whatever our heart's response is to the word of God, God's desire and intent is that when he speaks forth the word of God, that there's a reaction, that there's a response. The word is not meant to be sown in emptiness. There's always got to be a response to God's spoken word. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it says the word of God is alive and active. So the word not only is, is intended to produce a response, but it's alive. In other words, it's real. It's not dead. The word cannot be dead. Where, 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 where it's dead, there cannot be life. So as a church, we're looking, at the moment, we're, we're looking at how as a people we can respond in the spirit and in the heart. And the parable of the sower is really all about the heart. Okay, the spirit is involved in it, but really it's about our heart's response. It's about how we as people in the heart respond to God's spoken word, which is alive. And th- there has to be a response because God's word is real and God's word is spoken. Whatever our response is, there has to be a response, even if it's negative. Because God's word is powerful. Because it's sharper than any double-edged sword, we either react negatively or we react positively. But you, you cannot not react to the word of God. If you're in a conversation with someone and you bring the word of God into that conversation, whoever they may be, you will find that they will either react positively to it or they'll react negatively against to it. But there cannot be a, an abject reaction to the word of God. It's just impossible because the word of God is real. Okay? So, I think when, we, when, we, when, when I grew up with this parable, um, it's so, I remember hearing it as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a child. And I remember, you see, our worldview of this parable can, be, can often be dictated by our, our childhood experience of how we understand the parable. So, if you grew up in a house with a, most of us had gardens, okay, so when I heard this parable as, as a child, I interpreted the path as being concrete, because I was used to a house with a concrete path, yeah? So, when I heard the story about the seed taking, uh, the birds taking the seed off the path, I immediately thought of our long concrete path that would go on for 60 feet, and it was like, you know, a thin concrete. But we have to understand that the thing is, is that when Jesus was telling the parable, like, what was concrete? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it didn't exist. So, um, and I, I, I kind of envisaged, like, you know, this kind of pneumatic, you know, JCB breaker coming in and sort of, you know, sticking away at the concrete. But actually, um, the path is um, basically just hard-packed soil. It's compacted soil. So as, as the seed was being scattered by the sower... What Jesus had in mind was, basically, as, as farmers were in the field, you would have all the crops on either side. And the path wasn't concrete. It was just a hard, compacted soil that was a furrowway through the, through the field. That, had, that, had, that had basically was where people just, just used to get from one place to another. And the soil, because people would, would trodden on the soil, it was just compacted and it was trodden on. And it was just, but it was soil. It wasn't concrete. It was soil. Why is that important? Because actually, even the hard ground is soil, and it can be worked upon. And that's a really important point. It's an earthy point, but it's really important. Don't see the path as being unbreakable. All soil can be worked upon. And this is important, as I'm going to talk about all types of, types of soil, yeah? So, yeah. We don't, we don't want to categorize. I, I also found as a, as a child, I, I find myself thinking about that first category of of, of hard path. But the other thing I would really struggle with was I find it hard not to categorize 
and, and question myself, what, what soil am I in? You almost kind of sometimes felt that you, you, you felt like you needed to be in the good soil, but what about the people in the other types of soil? What about the people on rocky ground? This is not about condemnation. It's not about people who are on the rocky ground, about fake conversions. This is about meeting people where they're at. So let's, let's have a look a bit further then at what the different types of soil do. So the path, as I said, is hard-packed soil. What does that mean? Basically, it means that Jesus is saying that the people where the seed falls on the hard path are people with hardened hearts. They hear the word of God, but they don't listen or they don't want to listen. It's not that they're just not listening. They choose not to listen. They cannot understand the mystery of the kingdom of God and the seed which remains on the path gets taken away. So what happens is these people are people that Basically, when the word of God is spoken and the seed is sown, yeah, they either don't want to listen, so it just disappears straight away. They just say, to, they just say I don't want to know. I'm not interested. Or for a brief time, and a very brief time, they might entertain the idea of giving some thought to what you've just said, or what God is saying to them. But very quickly, they turn their attention back to what really interests them, which is basically what they're, what they're doing in life. They don't really want to entertain the thought that a God loves them, that a God cares for them, that they actually can understand and begin to comprehend the mysteries and the knowledge of God. And if there's a little bit of seed left on the path, if there's a little bit of seed that, le- that is left for them just to chew on for a while, which we hope is the case, but Satan comes in and takes it away. So even what's left gets taken away really quickly. So before we condemn these type of people, before we say to them, well, what, what, you know, okay, God has taken away the word, what's our response then? If we're sowing into people's lives who don't know Jesus, what is our response? Our response should be, why are they on the path? They've been trodden on, why are they on the path? Why is it that their hearts cannot understand and comprehend the word of God? There might be various reasons. They've been hurt or wounded. They've been trodden on by the trauma of life, ill health. Maybe they had a bad experience in the church when they were young. The seed was sown. Something happened when they were little. They've been trodden on. They've remained on the path. Satan has taken away the seed that was sown in them when they were five years old. And they've remained in that place. They've remained bitter at the church. Their heart has been hardened. They're used to the highway of life going to and fro. The seed has been sown on the path, but they've remained on the path. And maybe through bad experience or trauma, or it may be ill it could be anything. It could be anything that, that that, that creates in them a response that says, I don't need your Jesus. I don't need your God. I'm not interested. So is our response to say, let's dismiss the seed that's sown on the path? Or is it to say, no, hang on a minute. God loves all. God's desire is that none shall perish. What is our response to the seed sown on the path? Do we know people that are on the path? Have we been on the path? Can we pray for those still on the path? Help us, Lord, to 
discern and understand those who are still on the path and how we can reach them with the gospel and the, the word of God. Maybe people on the path have still got some generational sin. Maybe there's some personal issues they need to pray through. Maybe they just love the world. But the key thing is, this type of soil can be changed. The path can change. The soil can be dug up and enriched. Don't give up on people on the path. So the second type of soil is the rocky ground. It says, Jesus said this, uh, interestingly he says, the word of God is received gladly, but the trials and persecutions that come be- because of the, the word of God wither the plant. So interesting, he says, because of the word. So the trials and tribulations that come are not worldly trials. We're not talking about people on the path here. We're talking about people that actually have responded to the word of God. We're talking about people that come into the church and actually go to church. We're not talking about people that, that of, of the world here. We're talking about people that have experienced something of the gospel and they've responded and they've responded very positively. And they've actually said, Jesus, I want to know you. I, I, I want to be part of your kingdom. I'm going to choose to enter into the kingdom of God. What goes wrong is that they don't actually have a root. There's no moisture in the ground. So when something happens in their life that rocks them, that makes them think, whoa, hang on a minute, Jesus, what's going on here? Rather than grounding themselves in the word and surrounding themselves with a body that they need, they just walk away and say, well, I'm not interested. I know this is, this is not what I signed up for. You know, I thought it was all going to be a bed of roses. I've met people like this. They, they like the idea that Jesus is a Jesus that can bless them, give them prosperity. But, but they believe in the prosperity gospel and they believe that Jesus is going to give them this and give them that and give them everything. But actually, when, when something happens that rocks their world, I'm going to walk away. I don't want to know this. Again, our response can be critical. And we can say, well, it was a fake conversion. They never, they never knew you, Lord, anyway. Let them go, you know. That's not the response that Jesus is looking for. Jesus is asking of us and saying, well, okay, yeah, the word of God has not taken, have they been discipled? Have they, uh, have they had opportunity to receive the word regularly? Are we discipling these people? Our response as Christians is, yes, they're shallow, but why are they shallow? What is our response to those who seem in a shadow place? Are we dismissing them and judging them? Or are we saying, let's help them. Let's help them to go deeper in the word. You know, let's get around for a coffee and say, do you understand what the Bible means? Do you understand what, word is, what God is saying to you? I know you're struggling with this. And when they muck up, rather than dismissing and judging them, let's, let's get them around and say, look, you know, we can help you through this. You know, we can help you through this. It's, it's hard to, to get the root, especially when you first come to Jesus. You need help. The word of God is, is something we need in our lives. And, um, you know, let's... let's um, Let's, let's understand and discern as Christians who's still on rocky ground. There are people that are still on rocky ground. They, they, they've said yes, but they're, they're, they're not in a safe place. They're not in a safe place. They, they need to go deeper. They need to dig out the rocks of insecurity in their lives and bring about God's purposes. But again, just like the first type of soil, the rocks can be removed and the soil can be enriched. Enriched. It's not, it's not a catastrophic situation. If, if the word of God can penetrate the heart of those on rocky ground, once the rocks are removed, the soil can still be enriched. Amen.
Okay, so the third category of people are those who, uh, who basically are, are the thorns, those whose the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth come and grow up and choke the plants. The world and its desires prevent the word from producing the crop. Now, I think some people actually think this applies to people who um, never knew God in the first place and, and they just allowed the world to get hold of it. I don't agree. I, I think this is referred to people who have been in the church a long time. They're in good soil. Because what, what we've got to realize here, the soil is good. There's nothing wrong with the soil. The soil's good. They're in good soil. The problem is the thorns that have come over time. So when, when the plants were, were in the ground initially, the, thor- they, the, the thorns were there from the start. But they said to themselves, the thorns are not a problem. I can manage this. But the thorns are not going to present a problem to my plants because they're small. But what happens is as the thorns grow up with the plants, the thorns then into, into what happens is the plants and the thorns intertwine and choke them. But it takes time. It doesn't happen when they're little. It happens over time. And I think this is a problem. This, this, this is something that doesn't happen overnight. Thorns come up over time. And what, happen is the th- what happens is the thorns that choke us, um, it's a very subtle, it's deceptive. Wealth is deceitful. The worries of life, sometimes they're things in our lives that actually we don't actually see as a problem. Things can get into our hearts that we actually think, well, it's not a problem. I, I've, my relationship with God is good. I do this, I do that. I'm fine, I'm okay. We can interpret this as being, you know, gross sin. I don't think it is. I think, I think the thorns refer to people who are often very faithful, but their, their hearts are not being fully entrusted with the word. And so what happens is sometimes there's little distractions, little worries coming in, just the heart is, 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 is affected. It's almost contaminated by, by these things that come in and affect us. And we realize after a while that we've got a problem. Help us, Lord, to um, recognize and discern the thorns that are so subtle and to root out the contamination that would bring us down. You see, these things, can pre- they, they prevent the crop because... The plants are there, but the crop can't produce because, because of the contamination. So it's interesting when we come on to, to the good soil. That, you know, God, God, obviously, God obviously says, you know, those who produce a crop, they hear the word, they accept the word. So the first two points have already been accepted by the first, by, by not the first set of people, but the, those on rocky ground and those who have got the thorns, they actually hear the word and they accept the word. There's no issue there. It's the third point that makes a difference. What do they do? They live by the word. They un- they, something has happened in their heart whereby the word of God is being preached regularly to actually all types of people. But the, 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 the people that produce the crop are the ones that say, actually, I hear the word, I accept it, but I actually, just do, I actually do something about it. I actually live by it consistently. Because they recognize that true richness in the kingdom of God is eternal. And the riches, the riches of this world will pass away. The word of God nourishes the soul. 
It makes us fruitful. If the word of God is in our lives, we have to be fruitful. We cannot not be fruitful. If we've, if we've allowed the word to, to impact us, we cannot not be fruitful because where the word of God is and, and the sword is enriched, plants have to grow, which is what I was saying earlier on about you, you either, there's either a negative reaction here or a positive reaction. There's no in between, really. Um, and the thing is, the extent of the crop will vary. So Jesus makes an interesting statement about 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. And I think that could be applied in two, in two ways. One is the crop that we produce in other people's lives. And that is a sense of, as we receive the word of God, the harvest that we reap elsewhere will vary. And that just is the mystery of God. We can't determine what the crop will be. We just have to trust God. The, the, the other thing is sometimes God wants to bless us. I'm not talking about in a prosperity way, which I was referring to earlier. What I'm talking about here is God's blessing over our lives individually and the crop that we're producing in our own life in, in terms of the word enriching us. And sometimes there's a great mystery to that. I know uh, Paul mentioned to me recently about one thing he struggles with is why do some people appear to be more blessed than others? Why is it someone can be... The thing is, is that actually, um, it's a mystery of God, I think. And God says, well, some people might receive a crop of 30 times, some 60 times, some, some 100. But Jesus says, that's not, not, not your concern. If, someone wants to, if someone's going to get a double portion, let them have it. You know, When Peter, when, there was a rumor going around, wasn't there, about the, about the apostle John. And uh, the rumor was, that, therefore, that John wouldn't die. He was going to live forever. And when Peter challenged John on it, Jesus basically rebuked uh, Peter and said, well, if I want John to live, what is that to you? In other words, the blessing that I give someone else is, is, is none of your business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a just God, but sometimes we cannot explain why sometimes the fruit in someone's life is more than others. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that is there fruit? And Jesus says, where, I, where, you're, where my word is, there is abundant life, and wh- whoever has will be given more. But it's not for us to, to judge people on how much they've been given. Just let God do what he's got to do. God, God is faithful. So, basically, um, in summary, some, some additional points here for us to feed upon before we, before we, before we go. So the seed is scattered by the sower, okay? Now, is the seed scattered carefully? No, it's not. The, s- the seed is scattered recklessly. It's like Corey Asbury's song, Reckless Love. You see, what farmer would actually go around scattering seed on rocky ground? And on, why would you do that, you know? Jesus is reckless in his sowing because he knows that if the seed falls, even, 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 even a, a, a a speck of seed in a, in a rocky place or in a hard place has got a chance of producing fruit. If he just wanted to put it in the, in, in the fruitful ground, there'd be no hope for the sinner. The point of the matter is Jesus is not careful, but he, he does it. It's, it's a purposeful recklessness. It's not a, some people struggle with the idea that God is reckless, but the thing is, is that recklessness is not kind of like negligence. Recklessness, is, it's, a lo- it's, it's like chorus. It's, it's, a love, it's, 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 it's an act of love. Is saying, I'm going to be reckless because I love you, not because I just don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, because the heart of God is that none should perish. So, are we willing 
what's our response in? So are we willing to talk about God in the hard places? Or are we just going to talk about God where it's safe, where we feel comfortable? Because we have free will to choose the condition of our heart, i.e. the condition of the soil. And our response to the word of God dictates, dictates that. My second point in summary is that God wants to work on your heart where you are in the soil you're in. Whether you're in the hard place, the rocky place, the contaminated place, or the good place. Don't, don't think that you've got to be uprooted from where you are to, good, to a good place. You see, God is... Sometimes we can look upon where God has produced a harvest in good soil elsewhere, and we want to go there. God's produced a harvest in another country, in another land. I'm not happy where I'm at, therefore, God, take me out of my soil and put me somewhere else. The problem is often God, God doesn't want to do that. God wants to work on your heart where you are. And the condition of your heart can be changed. All soil can be changed. Don't be tempted to go where the good soil is. Be changed where you are and allow the word of God to change the condition of your soil. Yeah? It's a really important point. He wants to cultivate us where we are by enriching us. Our mission is God's mission for us not someone else's mission. And finally, as I said, any ground or soil can be made fruitful, fruitful under the right conditions. And where we receive and act on the word of God, we have to be fruitful. We cannot not be fruitful because God's word is active. So let us, let us, let us pray that into being for our lives. I'll finish by a quote from Pope St. Gregory the Great. <laughs> Just if I may, a bit random, but um, but this is it's really interesting. He says, um, store up in your minds the Lord's words which you receive through your ears, for the word of the Lord is the nourishment of the mind. Be careful that the seed received through your ears remains in your heart. So I think that, I think that really sums up the, the parable, really. I'll read it again. Store up in your minds the Lord's words which you receive through your ears, for the word of the Lord is the nourishment of the mind. Be careful that the seed received through your ears remains in your heart. What more can we, what more can we pray? So, Father God, thank you for such a simple parable, Father. It can sometimes speak to us, Lord, powerfully. Father, help us to, this morning, examine our hearts examine our minds, our spirits, and say, Father, what soil am I in? What is the condition of my heart? Enrich my soil, enrich my heart with your word. Make it active and real. Give me compassion, Lord, as well, not to judge others in the soil they're in. Help me to seek their good and not their judgment. Help me, Lord, to nourish the ground in my own life and in the lives of others, that we would place ourselves under your word, and where a crop may be fruitful, 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. In Jesus' name, amen.